The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to them, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven not like the bread your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Nestled in the middle of Luke's resurrection story is a story about two disciples 
who are leaving Jerusalem. They're leaving Jerusalem because they went there with the expectation that something incredible was about to be revealed. They went there because they expected that the rabbi, Jesus, who they believed was the Messiah, would take his throne. He would, he would do something powerful, something incredible, and then he would sit down on David's throne. That he would be the true son of David who would set his people free. And it didn't happen. And so these two men, who we assume are disciples of the Lord, are leaving the city. They're leaving the city because Jesus is dead. And along the way, they meet a man. Now, we, reading this story after the fact, know that the person that they meet on the road is the resurrected Lord. It is the son of David who is enthroned, but that is not something that they can see in their context at that time. They just see another man coming alongside of the road, and he says, what is it that you guys are discussing together? And they turn and they look at him and say, are you the only person in these parts who hasn't heard what went on this weekend? Are you the only person anywhere who is your head in the sand? What have you been doing? Jesus, this rabbi from Galilee, came here and we thought that he was going to be the one who would deliver Israel. But instead, our religious leaders handed him over to the Romans who murdered him in public. And we don't know what's going on. We don't understand because, and this is what they said. Listen to what they said. Because we had hoped that he would be the one who would set us free. Those words are haunting. We had hoped that he would be the one to set us free. They might be, they, they are certainly among the most striking and poignant phrases that we find in the gospel text themselves, if not in the whole scripture. They're powerful and they're haunting because all of us reading that phrase can immediately empathize with those two disciples. We know what it is like to look at the Lord, even if we don't know that it's him that we're looking at, and say, we had hoped that you were the one to set us free. We know that feeling, that experience in the core of ourselves. We had hoped. Because the truth is, all of us come to God with set expectations. All of us come to the Lord assuming that he is one kind of God. And so very, very often those expectations are turned on their head. Maybe we come to the Lord and we expect that he's going to be the one who fulfills our desires. But when we meet him face to face, he says to us that I am going to provide for your needs. And that's something very different than what we expected. Or maybe we come to the Lord thinking that this God is going to keep us safe. This is a God who's not going to let bad things happen to us. But the promise that he gives to us instead is, I will be with you always. And that wasn't the promise that we were looking for. That wasn't the promise that we expected. And maybe it's disappointing. 
Or maybe it's confusing for us. The truth is that it's disappointing and confusing for Jesus' disciples in the lesson that we read from John's gospel this morning. Now, we've been reading from this passage in John's gospel for five weeks now, okay? This big chunk of scripture is referred to as the bread of life discourse because, of course, it's in this passage that Jesus refers to himself over and over again as the bread that makes people alive or the living bread, the bread that comes down from heaven. Each of the readings are connected together. So we take a section from John 6 and we read it. And then the next week we take another section, the next section, we overlap them just a little bit. So that each week we hear a little bit of what we heard last week and it helps us to connect the rest of the story to what's happening. So that we don't just hear sort of broken apart snippets of this very long and very involved discussion that Jesus is having with the crowd who is around him. But if you remember... The story doesn't start with Jesus sitting down in the synagogue and telling people that he is the bread of life. If you can remember all the way back four Sundays ago, seems like a long time. The story about the bread of life, the bread of life discourse starts when there's a multitude gathered around Jesus, thousands of people gathered around him, and he performs a miracle. Jesus gives them bread. He miraculously gives bread to all of the people who are there, and then he and the disciples leave. And everybody else, at the end of the day, at the end of a long day, just sort of you know, goes to sleep wherever they, wherever they happen to be. And they wake up and they, they realize that Jesus is gone and that his boat is gone. They go in the parking lot and they look around like, the disciples' car is gone. we got to follow him. So they all jump in their boats and they head out in different directions across the, the lake there in Galilee until they finally find Jesus in the synagogue teaching the people who are there. And the crowd gathers around him and they say, give us more bread. And Jesus looks at them and he says, I am the bread. If you want to be alive, you have to eat my flesh. I want to give you true food because I am the bread that gives life. And in John's gospel, in the original language, he doesn't just say the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood uh, abides in me. And we hear that and we sort of, you know, spiritualize it. We're like, okay, well, that's kind of a cool metaphor for Eucharist and all of that. But what he says is, I want you to gnaw on my flesh, okay? Like the, the image that he uses is like a cow chewing its cud. It's this visceral, really gross image that he gives to these people. He says, if you want to be alive, you have to gnaw on my flesh. And they're off-put by this. They're like, I don't want to do that. That's gross. That's, that's a horrifying picture. What is this guy talking? This guy's gone crazy. He gave us bread yesterday. What, what's happening now? But he says to them, if you want to live, you have to eat the bread that comes from heaven. And they say, well, we've already had the bread from heaven. We want the bread that you gave us yesterday. And he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the bread that gives you life. But you'll notice in our reading today, at the very end of this discourse, 
that Jesus is no longer just talking to the crowd in the synagogue. It's not the crowd that gathers around him that pushes back. It's not the congregation there in the synagogue that pushes back against Jesus. It's his disciples that push back against Jesus. It's his disciples who are now questioning what it is that Jesus is trying to teach them. We see that again and again in this passage that they grumble and then their grumbling turns into disbelief and that in their disbelief, they walk away. They reject Jesus. They turn away to go and find another master because the reality is that they don't want Jesus. They just want more magic bread. And we can snicker and we can sneer about the fact that they just want magic bread. But the truth is there's a part of our hearts that just wants magic bread too. We just want a God who shows up and gives us magic bread. And that's it. We don't want a God who calls us into a new way of being human. We don't want a God who's going to transform our lives. We don't want a God who's going to force us out of our comfort zone. We just want a God who's going to show up and say a few words and give us magic bread and send us on our way. But I want you to think back over the last several weeks and the messages that you've heard during that time about this passage When we were reading first about Jesus feeding the multitude, the thing that Jesse pointed out to us is that it's only when you and I draw near to God that we experience full freedom. We only become truly free when we draw near to God, when we enter into relationship with God, when we submit ourselves to God's rule, to God's grace, then we become truly free. Free. And Jenny pointed out that holiness is not about you and I acting in a certain way. It's about you and I hearing God's call and following in the way that He leads. Two weeks ago, Jesus reminded us that communion is not just about food, it's about common union. It's a meal that changes who we are and the ways that we relate to each other. And just last week, we talked about this bread of life discourse is not just about bread. It's about you and I being transformed. We become what we eat. We say that every single week that we come to the table. Receive who you are, become who you receive. It's supposed to change us, this way that we worship, this way that we live our lives together. It's supposed to transform us. Because the teaching in this passage, in in the gospel lesson, this bread of life discourse, we hear it so often, we just think, oh, well, this is a Eucharistic thing. But reading the bread of life discourse and imagining that what Jesus is giving to them is instructions about how to understand the Eucharist, is as superficial a reading of this passage as you can possibly get. It is so one-dimensional that we just have to say, okay, well, yeah, I guess that applies in a metaphorical way to communion, and then we just leave that behind. Because that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about the Eucharist. He's talking about communion. He's talking about you and I becoming one together because we become one with Christ. Because you and I are united to who he is. Because we become alive in the way that he is alive. Because we receive his life. 
then the life that I have is the same life that you have. That you and I enter together into the presence of Jesus Christ and are transformed by that encounter. That is the life that Jesus comes to give to the world. That's what the bread of life for the life of the world means. So often for me, my vision of communion is so small. Because it's not magic bread. We don't get together and say the special words and do the prayers just right. And then we get the magic bread and Jesus sends us on our way. That's not what we do here. And that's not at all what Jesus is talking about when he teaches the disciples. It's about God's life. Jesus gives this bread of life discussion to his disciples. And when they come back, they say, this is too much for us to handle. He says, what do you mean this is too much to handle? If it's too much to handle for you to imagine that you're going to receive my life and become one with me, then what are you going to do when you see me enthroned? What are you going to do when you see the kind of king that I am? What are you going to do when you hear the true gospel proclaimed in your ears? What are you going to do if I tell you that the only way for you to be free is for you to let go of everything that you hold dear? What if I tell you that the only kind of life that is true life is giving up your life over and over and over again, moment by moment by moment? What if I tell you that if you want to be saved, you have to climb up onto the cross beside me? What if I told you that that's the kind of king I am. And the disciples say, this teaching's too hard. And the truth is that there's parts of my heart that say this teaching's too hard. Who can bear it? Jesus says to them, does it offend you? And the truth is, it offends me. If we're being honest, it offends us. I'm not ready for that kind of life. And yet that's exactly what Jesus is calling us into. I'm not ready for that kind of communion and intimacy with the people who are around me. And yet that's what Jesus says life in the kingdom of God looks like. But for many disciples and for many of us in our hearts, this is a hard teaching. And it may be hard for us to listen because the truth is that there are lots of other voices out there preaching lots of other kinds of gospels. There are lots of other stories out there that put the mask of Jesus and the mask of the cross on and then they they tell you about how to live your God-blessed life and how to live your best life now and how to claim your abundance and on and on and on. But this teaching that Jesus gives, the bread that I give is for the life of the world, and the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. 
This incarnation, this God in our midst, this God who dies in order to destroy death, who rises again in order to trample sin and hell under his feet, this God who calls us up onto the cross to join him in that work of overthrowing all of the powers in the world around us is saying, this is what life looks like. This is what it means for you and for me to give life to the world. It means joining Jesus in the work that he's doing. And the work that he's doing is the cross. That's the work of Jesus Christ. It's the cross. And it doesn't look pretty. And it's not going to be easy. And it's not going to look like abundance. It's not going to look like success. Because it's not what the kingdom of God looks like. So Jesus says to us, are you going to leave too? And there are parts in my heart that want to go with those other disciples. There are parts of me that just say, this is too hard. This is too much. I can't bear it. And yet at the same time, there's something in me that won't let go. At the same time, I remember experiencing the presence of Jesus Christ gathered in celebration around the baptismal font. And there's a part of me that holds on to the presence of Jesus at my dinner table with friends. And there's a part of me that can't forget the experience of God's presence during healing and anointing at the foot of his altar. That can't forget the ways that I've seen God at work in the community around me. And so there's a part of my heart that at the same time says the same thing that Peter says. Lord, where where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Your words are life. Your bread is true bread. Your blood is true drink. Where else can we go? Because it's in your presence that we experience Transformation. It's in your presence that we are made whole. It's in your presence that we become who we're supposed to be. And I long for that and I hunger for that. Knowing that it's going to be hard, knowing that all of that's going to be so difficult, I'm hungry for transformation that I know only happens through the cross and resurrection of Christ our Lord. And so as Christ calls us again to the table, as Christ again says to us today, receive who you are, become who you receive, we respond, where else can we go? Lord, your words are eternal life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. 
If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.